Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Dave from Chase the Summit. We've got the second episode of This Week in Fitness, Tech, and Endurance Sports. It's kind of a long title, but you get the idea. Basically anything that's happened this past week and maybe previous weeks, if I haven't talked about it yet, I'm going to talk about here and kind of share my thoughts on what's going on in the industry, who's doing what, what athletes are doing what, and it could be just entirely unrelated and it's just something I want to talk about. So if that sounds good, make sure you hit the uh, subscribe button or follow or whatever it is you do on podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple or whatever, uh, do that because the more people who listen, the more I'll, uh, more time I'll dedicate to this silly thing I'm doing here. Before I hop into the news this week, I've got a couple of housekeeping items to talk about. First, if you haven't checked out the merch store yet, go do that now. Uh, I've got the Chase the Summit Ridgeline trucker hat back in stock. It's been something I've had on order for months. It's finally arrived. It came from overseas. It took forever, but I got a box full of inventory back in stock. So everything is back in stock on the website. Check out the show notes for the link to the merch store. Also, I want to thank the Patreons that help support the YouTube channel and this podcast. Uh, it really means a lot. And if you want to support the channel, check out the show notes for that link. And that's about it for uh, housekeeping. <laughs> keeping updates. I won't keep you too long on those topics, but I do appreciate those who do support the channel and pick up the merch. Also, I want to start every one of these episodes kind of talking about what I'm working on on the YouTube channel, on the main channel, uh, what's kind of going on behind the scenes that you might see show up on YouTube soon. Uh, this week, I've been working on the Ultra Mont Blanc trail running shoe, uh, review that is something I've had on the backlog for a while now. I've had the shoes for a while, but I haven't been getting a lot of trail miles in. It's been kind of a challenge. So I'm going to be taking those out soon on their maiden voyage. And I'll probably do some sort of like first run video. Another thing I'm working on on the main channel is uh, a video about essentials for trail running. Kind of like, you know, the five items I do not leave the house without. Things that are important that maybe you might have overlooked in your kit. I'm also working on a couple of uh, water filter videos. I've found those to be interesting. It's a pretty niche product and probably not everyone's interested in it, but I like them. So I'm going to talk about, about them on YouTube. Stay tuned for that. And finally, I've been getting a lot of requests for more running vlog content. This is something I used to do uh, like last year. I would do like a weekly running vlog and those they didn't get a ton of views, but they were fun to make. And uh, it was fun to engage with the audience. It feels like a lot of people were relating to that and enjoyed those. So that's something I'm going to be doing more. I got to remember to bring the GoPro with me. It's just been something I haven't been doing lately. So stay tuned for more vlog content. Absolutely 100% coming. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Okay, with all of that out of the way, all of the housekeeping items, let's move into the first topic for today's podcast. And that's going to be Koros. A couple of topics here. First of all, the most major one is Koros has reduced the price of the Apex Pro from $499 down to $399. This is kind of a big deal. So previously, the Koros watch with this Apex Pro was $500. Koros never has sales. They never put their watches on sale. So this is what the price has been ever since it came out. They've dropped it down to $399. It's for a couple of major reasons. In their own press release that they sent out the day before they did this price adjustment, uh, they mentioned that they're doing this because the Apex, which is a watch that is just below the Apex Pro, it retails for around 300 bucks. Uh, that's going to be eventually discontinued and replaced with a new version 
but they didn't state when that's coming. They just said sometime in 2022, which I think we're all expecting. The Apex came out back in 2018. It's getting a little bit long in the tooth. Some of the new firmware updates haven't been uh, supported by it because it's just not capable of doing it. So it's a little bit older. Not saying it's a bad watch. If you own an Apex, I think you've, you've still got a great, you know, fitness wearable. It's just something that's getting a little bit older. In in years in like fitness tech and tech in general, four years is a long time for a product. You know, like think about an iPhone from four years ago. That's a big difference than the iPhone iPhone 13 that we have now. So uh, we should expect a new Apex to come in the future. They didn't say when. But this new price kind of puts the Apex Pro in a really interesting position because the Apex Pro has mapping and it's got crazy long battery life. It's made out of titanium. It's got a sapphire lens. These are all premium things that typically, if you're looking at like a Garmin, you're not going to get unless you spend like a thousand bucks. And now you're looking at this Koros that has a lot of those features for $399. And honestly, I think at $399, it might be the only like sports related watch out there that has mapping on board. It might be the cheapest one. Um, I'm trying to think maybe the, the Garmin 400 945, the original, you might be able to find that on sale for around that price, but that's made out of plastic. This apex pro is premium build quality, crazy long battery life. And, uh, it's a great watch. It's got a touchscreen. Um, it's, it's a really solid option. Uh, now the downsides to it, of course, is the mapping isn't like true mapping. There is a base map so you can see what's around you, but you can't use it to like do turn by turn navigation or anything like that. So it's a little bit limited, but if you know what you're getting into, I think this is a really solid buy at $399. So the Coros lineup looks kind of weird now. You've got the Coros Apex Pro. That's a uh, $199, $200. And then you do a big leap if you skip over the Apex all the way up to $399 to get it to the next level up. Um, and that's what they're kind of do, trying to do with this price adjustment is just to bridge that gap a little bit more. Uh, another interesting note about this price adjustment is that if you have purchased an Apex Pro in the past 30 days, Coros will honor the sale and actually refund you $100. Uh, so you still get the sale price even if you bought this a month ago. I don't know how that's going to work with uh, like if you bought from Amazon or a third party uh, I don't know how they're going to do that refund. I don't know if it just applies to people who purchased from Coros.com, but it doesn't seem that way. Maybe they give you like a store credit or something. I'm not really sure, but I would reach out to them if you had just bought a Coros uh, Apex Pro because you can get a hundred bucks back, which is pretty awesome. Now, if you're interested in this new pricing, I will have links to the Coros uh, Apex Pro, the Pace, and all the stuff I talk about in this podcast in the show notes of this podcast. So go check out the show notes for the best pricing available. And uh, yeah, let's move on to the next topic here. More Coros news. This is something that actually happened a while ago. It's not brand new news, but I figured I'd talk about it anyways. Uh, Killian Jornet has joined Team Coros. This is kind of a big deal. So if you don't know who Killian Jornet is, he's uh, probably, I'd say arguably the best mountain runner in the world. He's an incredible athlete. And he is, is just excels in uphill travel. He gets FKTs on the uphills and not the downhills. He's a really strong trail runner, ultra marathon runner. And uh, yeah, really amazing athlete overall. So Koros has been <laughs> out there scoping out the landscape and just scooping up all the best ultra marathon athletes. They've got Hayden Hawks. They've got Sage Canaday. They've got, uh, who's the female they just picked up? Emily Forgs, uh, Forsberg. They've got um, 
all these other athletes and they're putting them all under this, you know, ultra running umbrella. It's just weird that Koros is doing this and I don't see other brands really trying to do this, which is kind of interesting, but it has created a real strategy. It's very strategic for them to do this. If you go on any Facebook group, that's like ultra marathons or trail or trail and ultra running, uh, everybody, if, if you see that, you know, generic post that people do, what watch should I buy? What GPS watch are you wearing? I, I feel like more than half of the people that chime off will typically say Koros because of the battery life is incredible. We care about that as ultra marathon runners, build quality is good. Customer support has been good so far. Uh, the features are there and the price is right. So a lot of people are, are jumping on team Koros and it helps that they have this growing roster of professional athletes that are also in the Koros ecosystem. Uh, Killian Jornet in particular is wearing this really cool uh, white and black Apex Pro, the same device we just talked about with the price drop. It's not a color they have on their website, so it's like a custom thing for just him, but it is super cool. Maybe someday they'll have it available on the website. In either case, I've seen some mixed feelings about uh, Killian joining Team Koros. Um, I think, personally, it's good for both Koros and Killian. I don't see a real downside to this situation. Uh, you know, Killian's obviously going to get paid, which is great. Uh, you know, all pro, pro athletes should be paid. And uh, Koros is going to get exposure to an already growing audience. So seems like a win-win to me. And I think it's just weird that uh, we don't see like Garmin trying this strategy of trying to pick up, uh, you know, ultra runners or anything like that. They mainly focus on like big events like boat shows and airplane shows and things like that. That's where I see them sponsoring people and l less so in like human powered activities, which is kind of weird. But I guess it is what it is. And I think this strategy is working for Koros. Moving on, I've got more news about Killian Jornet. He's actually co-founded a brand new uh, brand of footwear called Normal. But it's not just normal, like you would think. It's Normal with two N's at the beginning. Two capital N's, Normal. Normal. Uh, this information comes from I Run Far. They're the source here. Uh, looks like the shoe is kind of a mashup of Hoka with like that fluffy looking midsole with a more aggressive outsole that looks more like an ultra. So it's kind of bridging the gap between a bunch of different styles of shoes. Killian's been spotted wearing the shoes around uh, at different events and on his own private social media. They look pretty interesting. There isn't a ton of details about the brand or what they're their strategy is going to be or what they're marketing towards. But I am looking forward to seeing what Killian does with this because if he stamps his name on something and he's the best mountain runner in the world, you have to assume it's probably pretty good in, or at least something he thinks is good enough for him to endorse. So uh, I'm interested about this. I want to get a pair of them and try them out for myself. Pretty exciting stuff. The next topic uh, moving on that we're, getting, we're just going to keep going with this like collaboration and partnering thing. Uh, big news from Wahoo just recently, I think uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Wahoo joined Ironman in a partnership. Ironman being the big event series that's like triathlons and big things. And they actually invested some money in UTMB. Uh, so they're going to be now Wahoo is going to be a strategic partner for Ironman. You'll probably see a lot of Wahoo devices at like UTMB and trail running races and road cycling events and things like that. And if you don't know who Wahoo is, they sell um, various devices. So they have a GPS watch called the Element Rival, which is a pretty uh, niche product, like really designed for triathletes and Ironman athletes. 
And then they've got a whole bunch of other stuff like power meters and uh, bike components and training or bike trainers and all kinds of stuff relating to the whole like triathlon sport. So pretty cool, uh, you know, company as a whole, they make a lot of good products, but I thought it was interesting that they decided to join Ironman. I mean, it does make sense. They're, you know, Ironman is synonymous with triathlon and Wahoo makes a lot of stuff for triathlon. So it's probably going to be a good move for Wahoo. It seems like they've been trying to push their marketing team a little bit more lately. You know, just recently we saw, uh, Jim Walmsley, who's a famous ultra runner. He's won, uh, the Western States 100, a couple of times fast guy. And he joined team Wahoo, uh, which is interesting because he's mainly an ultra runner and they're mainly a, like a cycling triathlon kind of brand, but they slapped a element rival on his wrist and now he's on team Wahoo. So it seems like they're trying to get out there a little bit more, kind of like what chorus is doing and picking up athletes and getting more involved. Uh, so we'll see what comes of that. I'm not sure what really is going to happen between Ironman and Wahoo, but I have to assume it's good for both brands. Okay. Moving right along to some more meaty news. I don't know what meaty has to do with any of this, but, uh, some, <laughs> some big news from Garmin. We've got a couple of new devices launched that kind of quietly rolled out. We didn't see a whole lot of hubbub about these two devices. Uh, so first up is the Garmin D2 Mach 1. This is an aviator watch. So basically it's a very, very niche product. If you're a pilot, but you're also an ultra runner in your spare time or a triathlete or somebody who takes fitness seriously, uh, you might be interested in the Garmin D2 Mach 1. It is basically the Garmin Epix Gen 2, but purpose-made for pilots. The standout feature of this is that it has Nexrad radar technology. This allows you to, I think, I don't really know, but I think it allows you to overlay uh, radar on the watch while you're flying a plane so you can look at your wrist and see if there's any aircrafts in front of you or whatever. I'm, I'm not a pilot. I wish I was a pilot. And if I was a pilot, I would call myself Captain Dave and get like a real cool uh, captain hat and jacket with like wings on it, you know, that would be cool. But I digress. My family would hate that because I would just talk about how awesome being a pilot is all the time. Uh, anyways, the Garmin D2 Mach 1 is uh, super cool looking. Like just from a, an aesthetic standpoint, it's got some real unique kind of design cues to it. Uh, and if you want one of these puppies, you're going to be showing out between $1,200 and $1,300. A lot of money. So it's basically an Epix Gen 2. Those, co those come in at around a thousand bucks. If you want the next rad overlay and this very unique kind of design to this device, you're going to have to chalk up that 1300 bucks to get the next rad uh, technology. So that's the Garmin D2 Mach 1. The other secret release that happened from Garmin that we didn't see a lot about out there in the press or on YouTube or in the media is the new Garmin Tactics 7. This is a device that's pretty interesting to me personally, uh, because a lot of the commenters on YouTube, uh, you know, the, on my Phoenix seven videos and things, I hear that I hear about the Garmin tactics line a lot. And that's kind of weird because it's not really designed for trail running or hiking, even though you can certainly do that stuff with it. It is more of a tactical military oriented watch for people jumping out of planes or, you know, using night vision goggles or, uh, being in the field, you know, all that stuff that I don't do is what the, the Garmin tactics Delta does do, or uh, Garmin tactics seven. Sorry. That's what it's called. 
So the Garmin Tactics 7 comes in three flavors. You've got the standard, you've got the Pro, and then you've got one called Pro Ballistics. And they range in price from $1,099, bucks, all the way up to $1,599, $1,600. That's USD, uh, US dollars. So again, not an inexpensive device. But what's interesting here is that the Garmin Phoenix 7X, which is basically what the Garmin Tactics 7 is based on, it's the same as the Phoenix 7X in terms of hardware, uh, that is about a thousand bucks. So they're really not marking this up a lot unless you go all the way up to the Pro Ballistics model. And that model has a special set of feature called Applied Ballistics that uh, gives you like the wind speed and uh, all this information for like, you know, shooting a rifle or something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, but pretty interesting looking device. And again, just like the Mark or the Garmin D2 Mach 1, the aviator watch, this device looks super cool. They, they put some like really unique de design cues on the uh, tactics device where it's like a Phoenix seven X, but it's got this like real, like rugged looking bezel that's flat instead of being contoured. So to me, it's like a little bit more minimalistic, looks a little bit more utilitarian. I kind of dig the look, uh, I'm not going to buy one, but you know, maybe I'll be able to test one out soon and um, maybe highlight it in a video. So stay tuned for that. And like I said before, if you're looking at any of these new devices, uh, check out the show notes for links to all this stuff. Uh, I'll have it down below. Okay. We are moving on to more Garmin news. This is purely speculation. This is based on leaked information. Uh, I'm not sure if it's actually leaked information or just an FCC filing, uh, but it is pretty interesting. So basically, there is an FCC filing out there for something called the Garmin Smart Band. Again, this is total speculation. I have no facts about this. Garmin didn't share any news about this. I'm just talking about what I saw on the internet. And it's, you know, guessed. It's all kind of pie-in-the-sky information. But it is fun to think about. So this Garmin Health Band or Smart Band is going to be like a Whoop Band-style device. And it's... It looks pretty interesting based on the FCC filings. It's a very simple uh, band with a small LCD display. And I guess the idea behind this, uh, if I had a guess, is that it's going to be a band, just like the Whoop band, that tracks like sleep, steps, calories burned, all the basic information. Probably, they'll probably throw in body battery as a metric as well. Probably give it a really low price point and then give you access to the Garmin ecosystem. I think this thing would sell like hotcakes. And I thought it's something that they would have done a long time ago when the Whoop Band came out because a lot of people who buy Whoop Bands are comparing it directly with the Garmin counterparts who are, you know, with the body battery and stuff. And the real benefit to the Garmins is that you don't pay a monthly subscription fee after you buy the hardware. You buy the hardware once and then you get to use it for free forever, you know, until you upgrade again. So there's a real draw to using a Garmin over a Whoop Band or an Aura Ring or any of these other devices that have a monthly subscription. The other big benefit, I think, is that if they go down this road, this smart band or whatever would be a great companion uh, device to a larger, more rugged device for activities. So say you're an ultra runner, a hiker, a trail runner, uh, a climber, you've got a Garmin Phoenix 7 for when you go out into the field and you need crazy long battery life and GPS and all the stuff that's entailed with that. But when you go to work or when you go to bed, uh, you don't want this big metal chunky device on your wrist. Now, if they had this inexpensive smart band that still collected all your wellness data, 
you could theoretically go out on that long run, use the Garmin Phoenix 7, come home, take it off your wrist, and then put this, you know, theoretical smart band on your wrist to collect all of your wellness data moving forward. And the cool thing about Garmin is because they have a physio true up, which is their kind of syncing behind the scenes thing. You can use two devices on one Garmin Connect account and they'll kind of work together to give you a picture of your wellness and fitness. And this is something I thought Garmin was going to do like uh, several years ago. Once all of these wellness devices come started popping up, I was so sure we'd see something like this from Garmin. It never happened. So this could be it. A couple of more details about this. The FCC filing has expired in late 2021. Uh, oh no, it actually expired in March 30th, 30th of 2022. That was, uh, about a week ago. So if they're going to do something, they got to do it soon because uh, I guess there's some confidentiality that goes along with that. Uh, and if they don't do it, maybe it's something they just put FCC filing in for and just don't plan on doing. I'm not sure, but I think this could be a huge cash cow for them. I, I would, I would not be surprised to see something like this from them. And I'm kind of excited for it. I would probably be on board with wearing a you know, nice lightweight device throughout the day and then using my, you know, Garmin Epics or something for tracking more, you know, intense activities. Okay, moving out of the Garmin topics. I know I like talking about Garmin, but we've got more to cover here. First up, we're going to talk about Fitbit. I think everybody knows about this by now, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast, so I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about it. Um, if you haven't heard, Fitbit has recalled 1.7 million Ionic smartwatches over an issue of them burning users. Yes, you heard me right. The Fitbit Ionic has been burning people. And you, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you know about this. You're probably a nerd like me. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this. But I still haven't shared my thoughts on this. So apparently, 115 people have been burned by the watch in some so bad that they had to go to the hospital to be treated for the burns. In Fitbit's own quotes, they say, Com consumers should stop using these devices immediately and contact Fitbit to receive a prepaid packaging to return the device to Fitbit. This is from a statement from their C the CPSC website. All the users affected by this with a $299 refund for the Fitbit Ionic itself, and then the company will also issue a 40% discount code for a selected uh, replacement device from Fitbit. This only affects certain models. The model names are super long, so I'm going to put them in the show notes instead of reading them off. But basically, the majority of the Ionics out there could potentially burn you. So if you've got one, contact Fitbit to get yours replaced. This all brings back so many memories from back with uh, Samsung's issue with the Note 7, I think it was where the phones were blowing up in people's pockets and on airplanes and stuff. And now we've got Fitbits burning people, which is pretty wild. But I will say, I do like how Fitbit is handling this by giving people a full refund, 40% off. That kind of mitigates the issue quite a bit. And the fact that only 115 people were affected and they have to bring back and recall 1.7 million devices. That's pretty wild. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess you could say the Fitbit Ionic is iconic for burning people. <laughs> the next topic I want to cover in this podcast is some Wear OS news, which is kind of interesting because we haven't heard a lot of Wear OS news in a while. Uh, Wear OS is Google's proprietary de uh, device software that they have on all their watches. You'll find this on Samsung watches like the 
Galaxy Watch 4. You'll find it on the Tick Watches out there. You'll find it on a lot of like cheapo Amazon things uh, because it is a free to use software platform or firm firmware platform. Now it's got a couple of inherent issues. For the most part, these devices don't get great battery life unless you're talking about like the Tick Watches kind of do okay. I've Got a couple of review videos about those. Uh, and those tick watches use something called a Qualcomm Snapdragon 4000 series processor, which helps them get better battery life than a lot of the competition. Now, where this news is going here is that there's some leaked information out there that Qualcomm is going to be releasing a Snapdragon 5000 series uh, CPU processor for Wear OS devices. And I guess the big benefit to this 5000 series chip is that it will give you a huge leap in battery life compared to the older 4000 series chip. Now, this could change everything for Wear OS if the promises actually deliver here because the the big issue with a lot of these watches with nice displays and a lot of power is battery life. If if you have to charge your watch every day, you might as well just go buy an Apple Watch for the, you know, same price as a, as a Galaxy Watch 4. Apple Watch doesn't get past 18 hours or so. A lot of Wear OS devices don't either. So a lot of people just say, I'll just get an Apple Watch because it does more. It's got more software support and I'll take the hit in battery life. But if Google managed to really, or not Google, but Qualcomm, if they managed to really squeeze more battery life out of the Google Wear OS devices while delivering more performance and more support for software and stuff, I think this could help Google Wear OS make a comeback. Uh, the new Wear OS platform is better, still not perfect, but you know, a new processor would certainly help that. So I guess this leaked information, this is not concrete information. This is not guaranteed. This is just speculation at this point. Uh, but if it does happen, that new Snapdragon 5000 series processor should make things faster and longer battery life, which is always great to see. The next bit of news comes from Nordic Track, which is something I'm very, very interested in. Nordic Track has released a new incline trainer called the X22i. Now, if you don't know, uh, Nordic Track has been making these incline trainers that have a, the ability to give you a really steep incline compared to a traditional treadmill. So a standard treadmill, you'll get up to like 12 or 15% grade, whereas on an incline trainer, you'll go all the way up to 40%, which is a real butt kicker. So I personally, myself, purchased the Nordic Track X11i treadmill that came out back in 2019, I think. Uh, I've had that around for a while. I've got a couple of videos about it on YouTube, and I've got a lot of issues with this thing. The deck rattles around. I can't run real fast on it. I had issue with the motor controller blowing up on me, and I had to get replacement parts. Uh, and that's all outlined on YouTube if you want to hear my complaints about this thing. Obviously, I'm not sponsored by them because, you know, I... I I can't say I've say, said the most favorable, favorable things about Nordic Track on YouTube. Uh, however, I just noticed on their website yesterday that they have replaced the incline trainer with a brand new design. This new design is like a ground up redesign. It's not just kind of like making it better, refining it. It is completely ground up redesign. And the big change here, I can't show you because we're in audio only, but basically the old incline trainer from Nordic Track was only supported in the back. It was kind of had like this pivot point all the way in the back of the deck that almost acted like a diving board when you ran on it. So when you ran, that deck would bounce up and down like crazy because it only had one point of support, which was all the way in the back. 
kind of a weird design. And for me, as a mechanical designer, mechanical engineering background, I looked at this thing like, what were they thinking? <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a fairly lightweight guy. I'm like 150 pounds. And even when I run on it, it shakes like the Dickens. It's just an awful experience when I run real fast on it. Now, I will say that the X11i is still an awesome treadmill for incline, like for hiking, and it's great for just like low speed jogging or running. But if you want to get like your 5K PR, it is nearly impossible to run on that thing. So anyways, getting to the point, this new Nordic Track X22i totally redesigned from the ground up. And the big deal, in my opinion, is that it's supported now not only at the back like previously, but they also have a support all the way at the front of the deck with this like big curved like uh, rail that the treadmill rides on when you go up and down on elevation. And I think this design is going to change how this thing works. I feel like it's going to have a lot less issues and bouncing and rattling and things like that. But again, this is all speculation. I haven't tried it yet. I've only seen the pictures of it on their website and it just came out like two days ago. They just announced it. So I'm going to order one. I'm telling everybody on this podcast, I'm going to place an order for one. Hopefully I can get a little bit of a discount or something, but uh, I'm going to order one and then I'll have a follow-up video about the new Nordic Track X22i. And what's nice about this is that I'll be able to have it side by side with my X11i to get an idea of what exactly changed and how much better it is. So stay tuned on YouTube for the full review. In this podcast, I just want to talk about this new product because it kind of quietly came out. I didn't get an email about this or anything. I just randomly stumbled across Nordic Trek's website and noticed that there's a new model. So I'm excited about it. I don't know if you are, uh, but <laughs> you're going to find out on YouTube what I think about it. So make sure to stay tuned and subscribe to the channel for that. Okay, final topic on this podcast is a little speculation discussion I want to have, even though I'm by myself here, uh, about the Garmin VivoActive line of watches. So if you don't know what they are, the Garmin VivoActive is like uh, basically a general wellness and fitness tracking watch that's been around for several years. It was a great alternative to something like a Garmin Phoenix because it had a lot of multi-sport capabilities without the big price tag of a Phoenix, and they looked pretty nice, and they had a nice touchscreen. But uh, ever since the Garmin Venue series started, I've often wondered why would anybody go and buy a VivoActive? And I kind of feel like Garmin feels the same way. So we haven't seen a new VivoActive series watch drop in a long time. And I'm at a point here where I'm like, is it going to happen? Are we going to see another Vivo active watch? Is that something that's in the cards for the future of, of uh, Garmin? I don't know, but you know, I guess the point of this discussion is just an exercise in what the benefit would be to a Vivo active compared to like something like a uh, venue two. Now the big change, obviously, if you don't know, I'll say it again, is that the Garmin Vivo active had a memory and pixel transflective display. This is like a sunlight readable thing. So it was great in direct sunlight, it had a backlight in the, you know, when you're in a darker situation, but they're not great displays for like, you know, a lot of people bought these things as opposed to an Apple watch. An Apple watch has a big, bright AMOLED, bright retina display. A Garmin has a pretty dull muted display. And a lot of people fell into this trap because the marketing on Garmin's website or third-party retailers shows these devices like a Phoenix 6 or a VivoActive or anything like that with like a real crisp display. And people would buy these things online, have them shipped home, only to find out that it's an MIP display and it's pretty dull in person. So 
a lot of people ended up returning these things or complaining about it or wondering if they had a broken device when in fact that's how they were designed. Anyways, my point is the Garmin Venue 2 came out and that has an AMOLED display, which is super bright and vibrant. And comparing it to a Vivo Active or any other watch, it just seems silly to go backwards in time and do, you know, use a memory and pixel display. The only benefit those MIP displays have is they're more power efficient, so they can stay on all day. Uh, they don't drain your battery as fast, etc. But as we move forward, as technology advances a little bit more, we're seeing AMOLED display watches like the Epix Gen 2 last like two weeks. In fact, I just posted a video about my experience with my Epix Gen 2 and what kind of real life uh, battery life I'm getting from it. So I'm just wondering, I'm putting it out there in the world. Are we going to see another Vivo Active? I don't think so, but I'd like to hear from you. I wish this podcast had comments, but it doesn't. So if you want to talk to me, shoot me a message on the website, use the contact form and let me know what you think about the Garmin Vivo Active or just drop it on YouTube on any video and I'll reply to it. All right, friends, we've reached the end of this podcast. And if you did enjoy it, I would really appreciate it if you hit that subscribe or follow or whatever button is up there. I don't know how to podcast. This is all new to me. But if there is a button that helps you follow along, hit it because that does help me out. And if you did enjoy it or you've got an idea for a future episode or you've got some tech news you want me to cover, make sure to go to, over to chasethesummit.com and send me a message using the contact form. I would love to hear from you. I would love for some more ideas about podcasts, even guests. If you've got a guest that you want to you know, hear from or hear me talk to, uh, yeah, drop me a line over on the contact form. Also, check out the merch store. As mentioned before, we've got everything back in stock, including the hats. Check out the YouTube channel and subscribe over there. Check out the Patreon. How many plugs can I do at the end of a podcast? Okay, I'm going to go now. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you next week, or maybe sooner. I'm not sure. Okay, bye. Bye.